Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. The Pope and Young Club wants to welcome you as we rally together to ensure our bow hunting opportunities for today and tomorrow. You've come to the podcast that believes in preserving, protecting, and promoting the passion for bow hunting. Join us as we strive to be the voice of today's bow hunter. This is the Pope and Young Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Pope and Young Podcast. Jason Roundsville here, joined as always by my co host, Dylan Ray. And we have the one and only Frank Noska. Frank, thanks bum, for joining bum, us. Man. I know. Where, how can we not have a soundboard? Bum, dun, bum, 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 bum. That's our intro for Frank. That's our intro. Okay. All right. You remember that for next time? I sure can, dude. I wrote, okay. wrote it down. All right. All right. Frank, welcome, man. Hey, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. We are just visiting uh, just right before I started the, the show. And it's like, I, I know you got a lot of, a lot of folks that follow you on Facebook, but if you weren't such a nice guy, you'd be really easy to hate with all the stuff you're killing out there, man. You're getting it done. So congratulations. One of my hey. favorite people on planet earth. Like I can truly say that first time I ever met him, he walked up just happy as can be smiling and like, yeah, we were at a panel. So he had been measuring all day long. Oh, like not most easy. guys. Most guys were ready to just kick their heels up, not talk to anybody, and, you know, have a beer. Frank walks up, smiling, ready to talk. Like, I'm like, I love this guy. And then yeah. I figured out, then I figured out he just kills everything in sight, loved him even more. Yeah. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, I've met Frank at the Omaha panel. I think we talked on the phone, but the first time we met in person was at the Omaha panel. And you had like six or eight animals invited to panel. Yeah, I don't yeah, remember how many how many it was, but it was like some. It seemed like a huge number to me, and then now that I know more, 
it's a huge number to me. It's like save some for the rest of us, Frank. Dude, how is this guy getting her done? So and every time we turn around, you're killing something else and and it's big. So um yeah, just so so th- just tell us about this fall. I mean, the show's only so long. We can't talk about more than probably one season of your hunting. So <laughs> oh, as you saw, I killed in the last uh I don't know, month or a couple months. I mean, this fall I killed that nice antelope and uh in New Mexico, actually, uh, Tavis Rogers, a good friend of mine that you guys have talked to, he actually helped me out. He tipped me off on that hunt and really helped me off on the uh, on that New Mexico tag that I had and kill that nice antelope there. And you, then you I, you know, what's hard about that? What's that? What's yeah, you really were, hard about that? He's a nice guy too. Is yeah, <laughs> Tavis is so dumb. He's just he's like yeah, just like. But no, I was talking to him. <laughs> and and he says, oh, yeah. He says, I got called to somewhere. I, I've got this antelope tag I'm, I'm going to have to eat. And I'm like, what do you mean? I mean, don't don't eat it. Dude, I'm, he's like, yeah, but it's like next week. And I'm like, I'm available. And he's like, I just got off the phone with Frank. And he's like, if he doesn't do it, yeah, you can totally have the spot. And I'm like, done. And then, you know, like a day later, he's like, yeah, Frank's going to make it happen. And I'm like, okay, that's probably good. And then I saw a picture of that goat, and I'm like, what a prick. Just stole it right out from under me. Oh, man, yeah, I feel bad about that. When he told me that he he told you right after he told me, I was like, man, because I, you know, I feel bad. But, it not bad enough to, but not bad enough to not say not bad, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't an easy hunt. That is a good place. It was a really good ranch. It was definitely, I got very lucky, killed on the very last day with a, little longer shot than I normally make. Not long for most people, but for somebody that can't shoot about 60 yards. I usually don't shoot that far, but uh, got a great shot. And yeah, it was a, it's a great ranch, K- kind of tough bow hunting. It was real wet. So we had, it was all spot and stock. So, yeah. You know, uh, Jason, that's a reoccurring theme. Like, and, and I, I really do want to stop and make mention of that. I've heard three of the best hunters I've ever met now, Jack Frost, Frank Noska, and Dennis Dunn, they've all talked about how I don't shoot far shots. Yeah. But these guys kill more animals than anybody in the world. Like, if you had to pick three people to kill animals, it'd be those three. I, and and they they do it inside 20 yards. I mean, they, they you know, it's insane, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can shoot, you know, far if I have to, and I practice far. I mean, not, not 125 yards far, but, you know, farther than we used to back in the old days. And, and yeah. I can do it. You know, I can do it if I feel it and I'm in the zone, but I, I really, really try to get close to everything. You know, when I say close, you know, under 40, I really yeah. like under, I mean, I like top pin. I like top pin shots. <laughs> what is your top pin? What do you uh, run? Do you run? Yeah, just 20, 20, 30, 20. 40. Okay. Yeah. Cause I, mine's 30. I just run 30 to 70. And, yeah. but like, even then, you know, I, I just figure, Hey, 30 yards is my goal. Anything below that's a bonus, you know, 40 is fine for whatever reason, man, I don't shoot 50. Well, I don't know if it's like the way my eyes focus, but then you and, shoot and 60 I, better, huh? I shoot 60 and better and I shoot 70 better. I still don't like yeah. to take those shots, but so, you know, cause antelope looks pretty small at 70 yards. I've, I've actually, I've actually talked to, um, I don't know what you would call him. He's a, he's a doctor, but he focuses on this type of thing. 
And uh, he talked about how at certain yardages, like your eyes try to focus on two things and it can't like at 20, you're good to focus on just the target. And at 60, then it's far enough to where you have to just focus on the target. um, So you shoot well, but also it's the way your body aligns. Like at 60, you're perfectly level where at 40 and 30, you have to hold, you know, a little bit down. So it's just more of a natural holding position. So there's that sweet spot. And a lot of times it's further than, you know, you're going to shoot better at 60 than like you said, 40 or 50, like just because you hit that natural, like holding position of this feels awesome. Yeah. I 30 is great. I love 30 because at 30, it's, it's just, I mean, you pick your shot. spot and you own it. And, and I don't usually like to shoot farther. Although my, my mule deer was spot in stock this year and he was, he was 66 and he never got out of his bed. He just, I nice. anchored him right there, but, um, it wasn't because that was just that was all I was going to get, and so you know that's what you take. But I'm, you know, like you say, like to get them closer if you can. And I, I'm, I try to lengthen. I mean, I'm getting better and better at shooting longer shots. If I applied myself and practice more, and I could reach out there more. And I do when I have hunts coming up that are gonna lend themselves to longer shots, like caribou hunts and and hunts where I may have to shoot further. But when I'm whitetail hunting or black bear hunting or or um, that type of honey, you know, I, I don't, I don't practice a whole, I don't shoot a ton of arrows, you know, I do up until when, right before hunt season, I'll start shooting, but, and I'll shoot a few arrows throughout the year, but I, I'm not a, like, I don't shoot a hundred arrows a day or 50 right. arrows. A, um, I don't know. I just, uh, I just don't. Yeah. It's, um, and some guys do, and they just love, they shoot every single day. And, right. you know, I, it's for me, it's, it, I don't know. I'd like to say it's a time issue, but it's not that I couldn't make 10 minutes to shoot every day. I've got a placer at the house. I can shoot a hundred yards. It's just, you know, just other things going on, I guess. Right. Right. And I guess I've hunted so long. I mean, I, looking back like the last Pope and young applic- or, uh, animals I've entered, I think I'm, I'm putting 40 years bow hunting now on the top, yeah. you know, you're 40 years cause I'm 55 and I, I think I, I, counted myself a bow hunter when i was 15 you know i finally said well i can call myself a bow hunter so it's about 40 years and uh i just doesn't take me long to get you know to get to hitting good and with our equipment and all the good equipment we have now and bows and yeah. everything I mean, i can get dialed in pretty fast you know when, when i say fast you know a couple of weeks and even if i did when i do shoot i just like to shoot you know if i shoot you know, six or 10 arrows, you know, and just real serious shots, you know, and then go about my day. And if you just shoot a couple arrows, I think shooting just two or three real serious shots and concentrated shots is better than trying to shoot, you know, 50 shots at one time, you know, or in one yeah. session. You know, that's, uh, you mentioned that. And uh, I liken that because I, I used to play a little bit of golf. And like when you go to the driving range, you got a whole bucket of the balls. And the only ones I remember are the three good ones out of that bucket that I hit. And the ones I shank over here and over there, I, my, my brain just washes those away. And so all of a sudden you get out and then you're really playing and it's like, Oh, geez, those shanks count now. And so like that, I, I don't remember who it was, but I heard somebody else say that. And they're like, for practice, you know, right before hunt season, the best thing you could do is grab one arrow, go out and shoot one shot, and then you're done. That's and, all you get. And that makes sense because then you better make that one count, which is hunting scenario stuff. And usually my first shot's good because, you know, you're not tired, you're you're strong, you're, you're, you're 
steady, super steady. And you, you know, my, my first shot, if I do shoot like that is, uh, is usually a pretty good shot. Yeah. Have you, uh, now are you on yours? Are you using fixed pin or a slider? What kind of site? Pin. I'm still using fixed pins. Okay. Yeah. Still using I, fixed pin. I'm not, yeah, I don't, I, I may start messing around with like a, you know, where you can, uh, adjust one and have, you know, like three fixed, but then have one floating pin. Now, what bow do you shoot right now, Frank? I'm shooting a Matthews. Yeah. Which, which model? Uh, I got, I'm, I still shoot. I got a VXR that I like, but I got the V3 too, you know? Gotcha. So, yeah, I picked up one of those slider sites last year. And it's one of the, it's a three pin where all three pins are adjustable. And then you can, your slider can be any of the three. So if you use the bottom one, it gives you a little more range. And, and I just never, I looked at the directions and everybody says, oh, it's super simple. But I looked, it's like three pages of directions and a whole bunch of little stickers. And I'm like, might be more complicated than I'm up for today. So I had it with me just in case I wanted to try it. And that one, I think, goes out to like that 120 range, which I don't know if I could even shoot. I mean, I'll, I could shoot 100 yards, but I mean, I'm not going to shoot an apple at 100 yards. And uh, but I'll tell you what, I was in a tree stand this year and I was sitting uh, on a water tank and I, had, I was hunting elk. And I had the cow, cows came in and uh I'm like, okay, it's on. There's a beautiful six by six. This is the bowl that I've been looking for. And here he's going to come. You know, there's about a dozen cows, five or six of them come in. And all of a sudden they spook a little bit and run off. Wasn't me. It's just, you, you know, they're flighty. And then he, he's out there running cows about 100, 104 yards. I'm sitting there and I'm like, man, it's exactly the bowl I want. If I had that slider, I'm not so sure I wouldn't have tried, you know, if I felt good about it. But then they, they uh, had a couple mule deer walk in, and then the other half of those cow elk came right in, and uh, he just never did. He was out there just running around and stayed at 100 yards and saved his life. Yeah, sometimes I wish I was just shooting one pin and moving it, and then then a lot of times I like my fixed pins. You know, it just you can't have, you know, best of both worlds. If you're shooting yeah. longer, definitely nice to just focus on one pin. You know, but, but that, yeah, it's just pro, it's kind of like difference between expandable broadheads and fixed blade. You know, sometimes you want to have one on your string, other times you want to have the other one. You know, there's not now what's, you know, I get asked that all the time. And I know the folks over at Faradine have, you know, the Rage series, which is hugely popular. And, and you talk to a lot of folks, especially the whitetail guys, man, they, they just love them. What is, eh. What, what's your, what's your take on these? Cause people ask me all the time and I'm just like, man, my, my personal opinion, I've, I've not tried them. I wouldn't mind trying them, but when I'm out a lot of times, you know, especially for elk, I just, I don't know if I trust them cause elk are just so tough, but I mean, you, you've killed, you killed Buffalo, you killed everything. So what's your take? Uh, like I said, I use both. I, I, I love rage. I've got a lot, I shoot a lot of things with rages, but then like, you know, that goat that I shot and then that moose that I shot, those two animals in the last couple three weeks, you know, I've used the four blade, uh, buzzy on that fixed blade just, uh, but I've killed moose with expandable broadheads and I've killed goats with expandable broadheads. I've killed muskox with 
rage broadheads, but, and they work, but, um, I think, yeah, they work, but, uh, there's just a little bit, there's just a little bit of room for error in there. I think, you know, you, if you shoot a fixed blade, I think it just takes out some, uh, you know, some chances that could happen. Bad yeah, Muzzy, Muzzy is a Faradine brand as well. Just so exactly. that. Exactly, uh, my, yeah. my noise, my, my, eh, was not just about rage, but about expandables altogether. Um, yeah. Now, don't get me wrong. I'll shoot them. I love punching a big old hole in a whitetail. However, there's just something to be said about grabbing a, a nice single bevel and getting that thing razor sharp. I mean, where, you know, <laughs> if you touch it, you're going to bleed. And, and knowing as soon as that broadhead touches that animal, it's cutting. Like, there's right. just something about that for me. Yeah, there's pros and cons to both of them. People call me, all text and call and email all the time when they're going on hunts and asking what I think, and that's just kind of way I explain it to them. On the bigger animals like bison and muskox and, and goats, and and I, I tend to normally use fixed blade heads. And then on stuff like my cow's deer down in Mexico, I love rages on those. And antelope, I shot that antelope in New Mexico with a rage. Um, all, all smaller animals, I, I love rages on the sheep that i kill the doll sheep they work great bears they work great you know they're thin-skinned but the like muskox and bison moose and even big i even have a even i even I, my white tail i shot in kansas last year i used a, a, a fixed blade on it too just because man those uh those white tails are big and tough so but i know the rages work do people people you know have great success on white toes with expandables yeah so a lot of people love them and I, I just i don't have the experience with them you know i'm not you know i guess i'm just not out there killing enough stuff with my bow well period and then i'm not killing enough stuff to switch up broadheads <laughs> i kind of have what works for me and they they fly good and for me, it hits the same hole as my field point. Right. And, you know, I was helping somebody get a bow ready this year and uh, they were shooting and they were practicing shooting off a chair and, and, you know, they had on field points, they were, they were dialed in pretty good. I think they were shooting 20 yards. And I said, okay, now, now send your number one. And they're like, what do you mean? I said, send your number one arrow that you'd shoot at it at an elk. And man, it was, like 10 or 12 inches low and left. Yeah. I said, okay, send your number two. And it was same spot. Okay. Send your number three and their top three arrows had a group, but it wasn't where their field points were. Right. And so, you know, all of a sudden I'm like, well, you're not shooting field points the rest of the year. You're now just shooting broadheads and we're going to dial it in for that. And we did, we, we dialed it in and, and they got on, but it was, that just surprised me because mine are the same. Have, right. What's your experience with that? Well, I try to tune my bows with a, they're the same also, you know, try to get the field points to shoot. And that's, that's one advantage of the expandables, you know, they fly way closer, but they fly like field points, you know, pretty much. Cause there's, cause that's the advantage of the expandable for longer range shots. And they, they don't get the winds not going to affect it as much. Oh, you know? and so that's the, one of the advantages of the, expandables um one of the disadvantages of the expandables is i mean not not that i advocate shooting through any kind of grass or any brush at all you know i'd like only to be you know you want the arrow to be in the air 
and then go right into the animal because it can deflect. Just grass can can deflect an arrow, you know, where you're going to miss or wound the animal. But that being said, if there's just a thin, just a, like a couple of little pieces of brush right beside an elk or right in front of a, a moose's vitals or a white tail or something, you can you can put a fixed blade head where you want it through that through just a tiny, you know. I think I, I've taken that shot lots of times, and I would be scared to shoot an expandable broadhead through any kind of brush mm. or grass because it's going to get thrown off. I mean, the arrow may hit the animal sideways, you know. Yeah. Now, how about the mesh? Um, I do a fair amount of ground blind hunting, and how about the me. mesh? I, I, I like I I'll, yeah, I'll shoot through the mesh with the with the fixed blade. Um, yeah. You know, I like to I like to have like I I leave my blinds just completely closed up, maybe one or two windows open and a couple little holes I can just peek out of. But um, if I can, if I know where the direction is going to be, I leave that. I'll take the mesh off of that window, but man, about the last three things I've shot out of a ground blind, they did not read the playbook and came in a different direction. But so, heads. yeah, you it's know, it's like so they I, wanted to live. Yeah, I'm shooting through mesh just because you know now the game just changed. So, what's your experience on that, Frank? Well, I do a ton of ground blind hunting, you know, down in Mexico. I don't know if you probably read some of that. I mean, I spend almost a month. Uh, you know, hunting out of ground blinds down there, you know, 25, 20, 25, 30 days in a blind every day. And uh, I don't shoot through, the, I, I just, I don't like shooting through mesh. I just, you know, so I open, I just set my blinds up to where, you know, the, where the, the water hole is or the feed is or the scraper is and, and set, turn the blind to where I have the open window. And then I sit my chair. I don't sit my chair in the middle of the blind. You know, that's another, another, thing about blind hunting you know some people like to sit their chair right in the middle and like to shoot off the chair sometimes i'll shoot off the chair but i normally like to slide off the chair and get on my knees and shoot mm -hmm. out of holes because it gives me more i can move around more and and way more than when i'm on a chair if the, if i gotta shoot kind of sideways through the through a shooting hole you know right and, and if you got a, a whitetail or a cow's deer you know 15 yards you can't I mean, there's zero noise that you can make, you know, so you can't be like moving the chair or, no. or, or trying to get off on the edge of the chair. So normally I, when I see, see an animal come in that I want to shoot out of a ground blind, a pop-up tent blind, I'll, uh, I just ease off of my chair and I got blankets or, um, carpet in the blinds and I just get on my knees yep. and that steady and I'm not going to make any noise. And, uh, and, and then, so I draw my bow completely out of sight of the shooting hole. So it doesn't really matter about the mesh. I just stay all the way in the back right. and I just peek and I draw and then I just move into the, into the shooting hole and shoot. Jason, what was that you were telling me you put on the floor of your blinds? I remember Years ago, uh, just to make it quiet, more comfortable. I just, when I would drive up to Kansas from Texas, I just grab, I started grabbing some old blankets out of the garage or some old furniture pads. And I just, you know, get all the leaves and acorns and whatever sticks out from where I set the blind. And then I just uh, lay out to a couple blankets in the blind before I, you know, put a chair in it and all my stuff. And I mean, it's, it makes it so much nicer because in Mexico and when you're antelope hunting, you know, it's so hot, you know, you're down in your shorts and you're barefooted and, and yeah, it's just so easy to throw an old blanket down there. Yeah. And then you can, then you can, you got your range finder, you got your, 
in reach. You got your video camera and everything laid down there, and you're it's totally clean. It's like being in your house or you're barefooted. Yeah, and, yeah. And you and don't you, have that dirt and dust and grass. No your lunch is sitting down there, and it's and yeah. plus it's quieter, so it makes it way quieter and uh, cleaner. And and yeah, so I'm, yeah, I got tons of uh, blankets down there, in Mexico. That when I put up all my blinds down there, so it's just super clean in there. The, and, and clean and quiet yeah that's good we use uh some of the places we hunter are not probably as dry as what you're dealing with in mexico so we use those rubber backed carpeted mats like you find like on the entrances to a business like where oh, you yeah. come in and they're they're heavy duty they fold up good they're heavy because i had to pack one way too far this year um but but man, they work good and they dampen like just like you're talking about. They dampen the sound, but with those, you don't get the moisture coming up through them. Okay, when yeah, it, like in the rain and stuff, rain and snow. So yeah, I've had those, good luck with those. Yeah, just an old blanket and old, you know, that are worn out and furniture pads, and I'll I just stuff them and I can keep them in the same bag with the blind. So then you never, yeah, you know, not not get greedy and i want to put two of them down because it makes like a double carpet in there you know so i'll yep. a lot of times two down and you know and and it also it, you know if there's any light coming up underneath the blind if it's not exactly level you know then you got all that excess around the edge of the blind that the blanket you know covers all that light and it, you know yeah. already keeps your sin there and they're also because you're kind of filling that gap so it probably doesn't let your sin escape out do you yeah. have a blind that you found that you really enjoy shooting a, b- a bow out of uh, I like, I like, man, I've experimented with so many blinds. I really like, you know, the double bull blinds that Primos has. I've got probably most of them. They're the heaviest duty, you know, the heaviest canvas. They last the longest, but there are some dang good other blinds out there now, like the Maristep. And, uh, I got a couple few of them that I really like. And there's definitely some, some, some other, I hunted out of one that wasn't mine. Actually that guy, I think that guy in, uh, in New Mexico had one up on a water hole that I tried. I think it was a muddy, muddy pop-up that was um I was pretty impressed with. I'm sitting in and I was kind of looking at the all the different characters. It was it was a pretty it was real good put together blind. But uh yeah, I've I've got a couple of the muddies and some of the baronets. They're they're big and talls. Right. And they say, Oh, you can stand up to shoot. And I'm like, not if you're six three, you can't. Uh but it, it makes it really nice because earlier you're talking about, and it's, it's funny because I, I, I'm around some ground blinds. I'm around other people that are using them. Some people get in there and they open every window and I'm like, that you yeah. just, that may Can't work that. sometimes, but sometimes it's not going to work. I close them up and I like a big blind. I like a three person blind just for me. And I put my chair clear back in the back corner. So I'm shooting straight off my left. I see other people. I try to shoot out of a chair straight on. And I'm like, dude, you, you can't shoot straight on. It's just not a natural shooting position. And right. so I get clear back in that corner, tuck my chair as far back as I can. And then I've got the whole rest of that blind. If I, have, you know, get down on my knee, take a shot, you know, out the side, out the back, whatever. And, um, that works pretty, pretty well for me. And I like to have, like you mentioned earlier, a little more space so that you can almost hide. I don't know what it is, man. I, but I swear when you make eye contact with an animal, they can sense that. Oh yeah. They sense it for sure. They have a six. Yeah. I don't even, 
I don't even look at the animal, the antlers. Or I don't even really even look at the the main body of an animal if it's something that I'm excited about that I want to shoot. You know, especially a whitetail. You know, I just I hang my head and I kind of have it in my peripheral. Yeah. I, when when the shot presents itself, then I I just concentrate and pick a spot and try to put the arrow, you know, in the lungs. Because yeah, if you stare them down or it's just like yeah. a whitetail, and they they it's like they can feel it. It's, it's weird. Uh, it is, and it's you know you mentioned setting up for a water hole i was hunting uh well i mean last year for antelope and i had it set up i only had one that the deer were coming or the antelope rather were coming from straight behind me and so i had a peak hole way way back off to my left and then i had one hole open just just right here and so i'd sit there and i'd look out the the hole to watch them coming as soon as i saw they were coming towards me I would just hide behind the closed portion of the blind waiting for him to come out. And I had two that about 40 yards just drifted off over the hill. They just decided not to come in. And I'm like, 40 yards? I, I had them, but I was just kind of waiting. And I just, you just never know, man. Yeah, yeah. Like I say, I do, I don't, yeah, I do a ton of blind hunting and have learned all a bunch of tricks from doing it over the years and started hunting in Texas and Kansas. And now, I mean, I think I got, probably 25 30 blinds down there in mexico that i put up wow. over here like a lot of blinds and i'm so yeah the, the key points is like putting those blankets down i mean that's just a game yeah. changer and then i carry also i always i, I carry pieces of black sheet i always go i got pieces of material that i usually carry in my backpack because there's always light openings in the back you can't you know you just right. there's a zipper that won't go totally together and if if, if the deer if you like the deer lines that up if you move in the blind and there's like a little speck right. of light, a deer will pick that up. I mean, it's just like putting a spotlight on him. So, right. you know, I've used, you know, pieces of toilet paper, bandanas, you know, whatever. But now I'm just usually, I take, I buy a couple of sheets at Walmart and cut them in like three or four pieces and just put them in the bottom of my pack. And I can right. just like totally blacken out the back of my blind. Cause I, I normally only have one, I usually only set it up for one, I leave, you know, one window open. And then I'll bend a couple corners where I can peek through where it's the see-through netting, you know, to watch. Yep. I only have one hole. To, some There's some places where there, I open up two shooting holes, but for the most part, I usually just set up set up to set to shoot out of one, one shooting hole and everything else is closed up. So it, it's dark in there and it keeps your sin in there and they can't see you and they're moving. And, uh, are, you wearing, yeah. are you wearing black in those or are you just working? No. I just wear, I, I mean, I don't wear a white shirt, but I'll wear a tan shirt or Navy okay. shirt. It's, I don't go all black. I don't wear a head net in there. I don't put nothing on my face. Yeah. I just, cause I'm back so far, you know, you just, they yeah. just can't. Um, yeah. It's, yeah. you know, earlier you mentioned one thing that I think a lot of hunters, maybe even a majority of hunters uh, just discount in ground blinds. I was talking to a guy and he's like, oh man, he's like, I, uh, I had this, this nice bull coming in and, and he got to about 50 yards and, and he took off. I see, he said, I'm, he must've winded me. And I'm like, you know, on a ground blind, it, it happens, but it's not often. And I said, well, well, that sounds weird. I said, man, usually they're not winding yet. You know, if you're, if you're using the scent stuff and cover sense and, and I said, you know what? what were you doing when he was coming in? He says, Oh, well, I was adjusting the windows and I was doing this. And I said, dude, he heard you. No, I'm like that elk heard you and left. I said, that was your chance. That was your opportunity this season. 
He's right. like, no. And then I started telling him because I, I was in a blind and I had a spike bull feeding up this ridge about 140 yards from me. And I just adjusted a zipper. I mean, you know, just on my little Sitka vest, maybe four inches of zipper adjustment. And at 140 yards, all of a sudden that thing's like, and he's, he's looking exactly at me. And yeah. so I'm just, I'm like, okay, I've got a range finder. I know that elk's 140 yards. And he just heard me just instantly. I said, how many elk have I had behind me or off to the side or just through the timber where they're 60 yards and coming and I do a zipper or the chair creaks or, you know, the arrow falls off. There. I mean, there's a thousand things that could happen. And I think sound is probably the one thing because you hear all about scent, you hear all about, you know, hunting the wind and all these other things. And I'll tell you what, I think sound kills a lot of hunts for people and they just never even realized they were in the, in the game. Right. Right. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Those blinds, you know, they keep, if you're, you can't rub up, I mean, whitetails are the worst, you know, you can get away with some stuff on bigger animals, maybe bison. And I mean, they all hear good, but you know, whitetails are the, probably the skittish, you know, especially down there in Mexico when they're coming into water holes. I mean, cause everything's trying to get them at the water, you know, lion yeah. mountain there, coyotes are there. Um, it's just, they're, they're very vulnerable there. So they're, their own, they're in antelope are too, you know, and I tell yep. hunters, you know, when you're hunting a water hole, if an animal's coming in, don't just don't like, don't even move. Just take a deep breath. Let the animals start drinking first. Cause you can just see when they take that first drink, you can just see they're, they're they relax because they're just, yeah. they're so, they're so nervous. You know, a white tail is the way they look all the time. They just keep looking up, but when they kind of drink like that, get that first drink, you can just see them kind of totally relax their, their, their nature, you know, and yeah. then, and then shoot them, you know, they're not so, you know, then they're, they're not going to, they've already, they've already relaxed. So yeah, don't start trying to fumble around there and get drawn when they're coming in at 40 or 50 yards, you know, that you, right. you got to worry coming in, just let them come in and drink and, or come in and get better position. You know, don't, don't start moving around in there. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. I jotted down a couple other things about since we're going to, we're making this a, a, a hunt out of a blind, uh, right. podcast. Yeah. Cause I'm big on hunting out of blinds. And so the other thing I do down there is I, I don't, I, uh, first thing I do when I get in blind is I take my boots off. I don't, I mean, I'm in socks in there for sure because rubber, uh, um, you know, leather boots. I mean, they're so clumsy and fumbling around. If you get to right. you know, your, whatever you're going to, the sole's going to hit the side of the double bull or something. So right. I, first thing I do is take my boots off and I put everything, I stuff everything around the edges of the blind, you know, so yep. get it out of the way. It, I mean, heck I'll, I'll lay down there. Sometimes if I get there, if I'm white and I get there 30 minutes before daylight, I mean, I'll lay down in the blind until it gets light, you know, it's like a little tent, you know, yeah. I put all out of the way. So I'm not going to step, move it or, or it's not going to get in my way if I need to shoot. I and then this, I, uh... too, down there in Mexico, I just pretty much, you know, you don't need camo down there when you're in the blind. So I'm, I'm usually just on those ranches when I'm working, doing deer stuff, I'm usually just wearing old Carhartt jeans and I pull them off right when I get in the blind too, and just put on a pair of sweatpants just a pair of cotton sweatpants because they're super quiet. And I just rolled the jeans up because the canvas on jeans is pretty light, pretty quiet, pretty light actually, you know, if you get the rubbing on it or if you, I mean, a deer will hear that at 12, 15 yards, you know, white tail for sure. Yeah. I uh, uh, had this guy and I'm, 
certainly not going to name any names because uh, he has a platform that he can certainly talk about me on too. But I posted <laughs> a picture of a blind and uh, I posted a video of a blind. I was setting up this spot for me and my boy. And so I brought in this great big old ground blind and raked out. I told Jason, raked it out, weeded it like bare dirt, you know, so my son could sit in the, in the floor and play with his monster trucks. And, and uh, you know, underneath the windows, that way when a deer started to come in, I could say, bub, you know, stand up real quiet, whatever. And this guy comments and makes this big old long post about how, why don't you just try being a good sportsman and and learning how to stalk animals and learning how to conceal yourself and I'm like, serious, dude? Like, first off, this is for my son who's four years old. Um, but secondly, like, just because you're in a ground blind doesn't mean you can get away with anything you want to do. Like, you're still hunting. Like, you're still. And so uh, people sometimes write off ground blinds like, oh, that's the easy way to do it. And I'm like, you must not have done it too much then because I've spooked a lot of deer in a ground blind too. Right. Well, it's just like a tree stand. I mean, there's a few people that think tree stands are a disadvantage, right? Yeah. I'll I mean, tell you just- what. I was in a tree stand this year, um, and I was sitting there kind of looking, and all of a sudden, it started getting a little bit dark, and the clouds started rolling in, and I'm like, man, I don't want to be in a tree stand. I I crawled out of that thing, and I had a ground blind about, you know, 30 feet away, so I had the option. Of, and, man, I got in that ground blind, and when, it, when that thunderstorm opened up, and it was raining and hailing, it just creating a mess for 45 minutes i was dang glad i was not in a tree stand <laughs> old jay don't like heights either oh no he does not like heights at all but I'm, <laughs> I'm getting better with tree stands as long as they're not one of those you know i'm a ladder stand guy i'm like a two-person ladder stand guy oh, that's yeah. my for that's sure my jam yeah 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 so I see some of those and, and they're like high and small. And I'm like, dude, do you have the box for that? And they're like, no. I'm like, until I see the weight limit on that tree stand, I'm not sitting in it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, I don't have uh, lines here in Alaska, you know. I mean, we use them a little sometimes on bear baits and stuff, but uh I don't use blinds here in uh, Alaska too much, just mainly down in little 48, you know, in places where you can free and, and uh, Mexico, they were great, you know, for all the reasons we talked about, you know, scent and, and, and uh, noise and concealment, everything's perfect. Have you tried this year? I bought some, actually I bought, I bought one a couple of years ago and it was just, it was small as a two person which is, you know, if you're hunting with the rifle or shotgun, that's probably fine. But with the bow, you got to have enough room. I think a lot of people underestimate, hey, when you go to draw, you know, you got that arrow sticking out there, you know, two feet in front of your bow. You got to have enough room to do all that. And like you say, hopefully not within sight of your target. And so I like a bigger blind, so I didn't use it a lot. But this year I had that one from before and I, and I bought a couple more of the one-way mesh blinds oh yeah and the original the first one i bought it is see-through from the top to the ground and i don't like it scares you i I move your feet whatever um these new ones are like only the top half like the bottom half is solid and then the top half is see-through and i in all honesty, I have not formulated an opinion yet. I have a little bit of one starting, but I'd love, have you tried any of those, Frank? I don't have any of the, 
the 50 50s, like you're saying, I did get a couple, three of the ones that are just totally, uh, all see through and they, they were a lot smaller, um, footprint than I thought. And they're, they're, they're not good for bow hunting at all. It'd be great for a yeah. rifle hunter, set them back hundred yards, 150 yards rough. I think they'd work. And I use those for guys that come down and rifle hunt with me, but bow hunting, they're not big enough. And yeah, you just, I feel like you're just sitting out there totally in the open, even though it is a one way, a one way see through. I just, I don't like being that, that open, you know? Yeah. I had a, I had an antelope hunt and I, I set up, you know, cause you can set them out 10 days before the season starts. So I zoomed up and it was on public property. And so I actually set up that, <laughs> the smaller see-through blind. Cause I'm like, yeah, there's probably a 50, chance. Somebody, you know, steals it or vandalizes it. And right. I'm like, if that one goes, I'm okay. And the opening morning I'm sitting there and the blind was where it kind of had to be based on their approach. And so first part in the morning, I was looking right into the sun. And when, when those goats were approaching, man, I felt like I was, you know, buck naked with somebody shining a spotlight on me in that thing. It was not, I was afraid to move. I mean, I, I, they sent you in there at all. I don't know. I mean, some of them still came to the water and you know how antelope are. They're just like skittish anyway around water, but I mean, some of them would come in, but man, I just didn't like it. And so the next morning I got in there an hour early, I pulled that blind down and put a, one of the bigger ones up. And you know, one thing that surprised me about those ground blinds is, I mean, I'm in the middle of the, the high desert in Eastern Oregon there's not a tree or anything green within seven or eight miles. And I put this big green, you know, green and brown thing up there with big old maple leaves on it. And they didn't even care. I mean, it was, yeah. you know, the other one was, was more sagebrush colored. So it blended in a lot better, but it just didn't, the color doesn't seem to matter. No, I, I tell people, I think it could be hunter orange and it wouldn't matter. I think it could I, be orange. I mean, they're, they're just not going to see the movement, you know, it's just going to be like a blob, like a, yeah. like, like a piece of equipment, like a farm implement or something. You know, yeah. I think the key is time, you know, like I go down to Mexico, I put my blinds up like, and I do brush them in somewhat, but nothing like I used to do in Texas, but they're down there like a month before I hunt out of them. So, yeah. you know, I mean, time sitting there, the animals get used to them, you know, they just, just like a, like a, a barn or a building or a yeah. tractor it's there forever and the deer and animals end up bedding underneath it you know after a while because yeah. that never harm them so i'll tell you the hardest is, thing i've found is finding a ground blind to shoot a recurve out of if you well, i got are, that that was on my list i was going to bring up yeah i got like nathan anderson's going to come hunt with this year and uh i did order some bigger blinds for for the traditional guys and i try to set them up which just one for, did you go with i was trying to think of which ones they are i can't even remember off the top of my head because i had I was asking Tavis about it and I was asking Nathan about it. Some of the ones that Nathan has, you can't even buy anymore. And, uh, but I did get some that are definitely taller for, for the longbow guys. Cause it is a challenge for those guys to shoot out of. Can you see my screen? It just blanked out. Can you see me? Oh, I'm, oh yeah. You changed it for me. Okay. So yeah, these blinds here, me and Jason checked these out at ATA. Best thing I've ever found to shoot a recurve out of that. And they're cool to transport. Like you just pull them wherever you want and the wheels pop up and, you're uh -huh. good to go. Um, obviously, a lot more than a regular ground blind. 
but they have that's six. It's over six feet tall, so I can shoot my recurve out. It's super comfortable. But they have the long windows, like uh, oh yeah. So so you can shoot. I, I've I really really enjoy shooting my recurve out of this one. However, again, it's a whole lot more than a. That's why I was asking you if you found a really good just pop up to shoot out of because, um, obviously I can't afford you know five of these for different places. So, um, really looking for a good, um, alternative to that. I, yeah, I like that. I'll look it up and let you know, Dylan, because I do have like half dozen down there for the guys, and uh, I can't remember which brand they were, but they're definitely bigger than the standard double bull. Yeah, those gotcha. those Baronet tall ones, big and tall blinds. Um, big that and tall. Be- it's it's not just for jeans anymore. Anyway, um, yeah, that, they've got real tall, like the corner windows are really tall, and uh, it, they're just that those i've had really good every everybody that's used those that's borrowed them has really liked them you know what i don't like about the super tall because i have a super tall one and i thought yeah i can shoot my recurve out of it that's great but then the windows are up tall too so like if you're sitting down you have to like push yourself up off the seat to shoot over the window and if you're standing up you've got to like duck down to shoot out of the window so it's like i can stand up to shoot but the windows aren't lining up to shoot out of like so that was yeah, all, the, and it wasn't it wasn't that brand. It was I don't know what brand it was, but it was another super tall ground blind. But uh that was my problem. And I tried to shoot one in Texas. A javelina came in and uh I was standing up, but I had to to squat squat down to get out of the window and uh ended up <laughs> it was a buddy's borrowed ground blind, brand new out of the box. We took it up, set it up, and I was hunting out of it. And the top limb of my recurve zipped through the top of that blind, left about a really? left about a three foot rip in the top of his blind. So I got black duct tape out, duct taped it up, put it back in the box. Like a year and a half later, he calls me. He's like, "Dude, <laughs> I just got that ground blind out of that box again." You what didn't happened? tell him. I didn't tell him. You, what, are you, what are you crazy, Dylan? But what is our magazine? Um, <laughs> ethic. It's the ethic, remember. Frank. If you borrow a ground blind and you tear a three foot hole in the thing, is it ethical to just put some duct tape on it and stuff it in the box and give it back? He's not answering. I like it. Thank you. He's Frank. not answering because he knows the answer and he just doesn't want to call Listen, you out right now. Listen. I'll call you out. Oh yeah, no, it's not. Ethical. I thought you were asking Dylan. Oh you no, I'm asking you. Want. I'm asking if you. Knew Frank. The guy, if I you knew got- the guy, you would have done it too. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have guys that do crazy things to one or two blinds every year too and you know i'm like the blind i'm like the the blind nazi down there i mean i'm like you know i'm super particular about my blinds i mean they're set you know a lot of them are set up in the same places year after year that are proven and i mean we've killed tons of deer out of these sets you know because it's for the for the wind and you know and i like close shots i like 18 yards what you know i don't i don't even like 30 yards stuff i like 120 16 17 18 and uh so most a lot of my blinds are have proven themselves, you know, and so they're set perfect. The wind, the one window's open, so uh, you know, and most of my hunters are friends of mine and guys that have hunted out of blinds and done a lot of hunting. So they, but I have had some guys that get down there and they think, oh, the blinds in the wrong spot. And they try to, they try to index it around, or they want to open two or three other windows. Oh. And uh, yeah, and they, people can't help themselves. It, they it, well, it, like- it can't sit in a blind. I mean, it it's, it is kind of. You know, you have to have a book. I had a whole box of books down there, like a whole library. So you do a lot of reading down there. Now we got these inreaches, you know, so because it's kind of neat. We can inreach from blind to blind. So that's that's a whole new game changer. So it takes, you know, you can 
but we do a lot of reading and stuff. So some people just go crazy sitting in a, in a blind, you know, and sometimes yeah. we say, and I just, it's just whatever the groups that's down there with the week with me, sometimes they're, they want to hunt dark to dark, you know, cause they're, you're not going to kill them back at the camp. And some guys just want to want to hunt, you know, to lunch and go back in, have lunch and go back out. And so, but a lot of times we hunt the majority of the day, you know, and uh, it's, 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 if it, 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 some guys can't sit in there and look out one window and, uh, and cause if there's easy. there, one of my good, one of my best friends, John McPete in Texas, he said it, he said it best. And I've said this to a lot of people when you're, when you're sitting in a good ground line, you got one hole open and you're looking at a, a, a water hole or, or a, something that the deer or game's eating on and nothing's come nothing's in your shooting hole you know you're all you're looking at maybe a couple birds every now and then and you're, you're there for you know eight ten hours john says what it's like it's like sitting in your sitting in your tv sitting in front of your tv in your house staring at the screen with the tv off yeah for, yeah eight, you're just staring at nothing for all day long you know so See, i could do it I could do eight hours, but man, when you're in the middle of summer and there's a lot of daylight, like for antelope, I was getting in there before light and I was staying till dark. It was 16 hours. And that was just enough. I I did three days of that. And I'm like, it was driving I, crazy. Yeah. I hadn't seen the buck I wanted. Like I literally just hadn't, I hadn't seen a good buck. We, there were, there were bucks running 20, 25 does that didn't, their horns weren't as long as their ears. I mean, it just, it was a third season, two rifle hunts, I think just wiped everything out. And, yeah. and so I just, I was originally, I was going to wait and hope for, cause it's a good migration area. I'm like, okay, some big bucks to move through. And after day three, I'm like, no, I'm like the, the, the buck I'm seeing every day is the biggest one I saw in the unit that year, you know, this year, I was like, he comes in and it's over. And sure enough, he came in <laughs> and he stayed. Um, but holy smokes, man, that's a long time. I can do eight or 10, but 16's a man, it's I mean, too much. You, I mean, you got to have the blinds in the right spot. You know, that's the other thing. I mean, so I put them in, you know, it's another thing I tell people down there. I mean, there's there's so few spots that are primo spots, even on a big ranch. You know, it can be a 10,000 acre ranch. There may not be, but four or five spots on the whole place that are, that are really good bow hunting, you know, where, cause you don't yeah. want a lot of, you don't want a lot of water around cause it spreads the animals around. So you want just like one water hole, real remote water hole. And I like, I like a small water hole cause I don't, I don't like hunting a lake, you know, that where you can see a hundred yards on the other side. Cause you know, it doesn't do you no good. It spreads the animals out. I mean, I like, I like a right. water hole. people that are about as, as big as a hood of a truck, about as big yeah. as big. I had one this year that I was so, so excited about. I went in, you know, uh, two months before the season or whatever, and I GPSed every water hole that was there. And there was actually a lot more water in the desert than I was expecting. And so I, I GPSed a bunch of stuff and I put out, I bought a whole mess of cameras and put them out. I had a few of those cell cameras that I got to actually to work in because there's just not good service over there, but a few of them would just pick it up and, and so I'm going and I had one that was like, you say it was small. It wasn't that small, but it was probably the size of like two or three vehicles. Okay. And it was fairly deep. And I'm like, dude, this is it. It was right next to about a three, three and a half foot rock ledge. So the blind just kind of disappeared. 
um, I, I just, I'm like, okay, this is exactly it. I'm going to have a 20 yard shot across the, across the water is only going to be like under 25 yards. Everything's perfect. And you can see like a lot of area, you know, so, right. so you could, you know, I've, I've got some big 18 power binos on a tripod and a spawning scope. So I'm like, man, I'm going to be able to see everything. And I got in there and all of a sudden, and it was a mile hike in. So that one was, was kind of a hassle because, you know, especially when you're going in so early in rattlesnake country, that's a little bit weird, but, um, so 10 days before the hunt, I, I carried a blind, I carried the carpets. I carried one of the great big chairs, the big, heavy black chairs, got it all in there, set it up, or I was setting it up. And, uh, I realized that there were, even though I checked the week before, there were no stakes in the bag. And I, I know for a hundred percent certain there were stakes in the bag, like seven days before this. So I had to walk a mile back to my four wheeler to pull stakes out of another blind that I had stacked on my four wheeler, walk a mile back into the blind, which I did got the blind set up, looked amazing. You got a Baku, bro. Yeah, you can't, it was, this was a quad territory. It was a little bit rough for the bike. I love my Baku, but this was rocky, nasty crap. Dang it. And so anyway, I That's zoomed back out. That's when you tie out. your two backus together so you've got a quad. I know. So I walk a mile back out. So I've now walked four miles just to set up this stupid blind. I go not 100 yards down the dirt road on my quad, and I find the little stake bag. Literally, oh. it did. It was 100 yards from where I parked. So, so I found it, but um, I was so excited about this spot. And, and I'm, I'm watching on the camera for, you know, a month and a half, a lot of, a lot of traffic and about four days before the opener, the water level just goes down. And I'm like, and I'd had another camera that I'd put up and, and it went dry and then it must have rained because it filled back up a little bit. And I, so I knew I wasn't going to hunt there, but I was really excited about this spot and literally put the blind out. Didn't have any idea it was going to be blind, uh, dry. And then four days before, all of a sudden that water just starts dropping. And sure enough, like two days into the season, it was dry. So I, I went with this other place. And so I hiked in all those times to to set it up and then i had to hike back in just to pull all that stuff out and so it was a beautiful spot if i ever get another tag there i think what 12 more years i'm gonna i'm gonna try that one out because it was gorgeous and while i was in there you could see i've literally turned down i could see like four or five herds of antelope out in the distance but yeah that's one thing about an antelope out of blinds is you can even though you don't have one in bow range, you can see them, you know, half a mile away with your binos It take, you know, it's kind of exciting. You watch them go across the hills and stuff throughout the day, right? right. As they move around, some come in, some don't. So you're not, whereas if you're hunting whitetails or, or cows deer and you're stuck up in a bush and you can't see, but 18 yards in one direction, then yeah. it's like, like sitting watching the TV with it turned off. <laughs> yeah. Which I try not to do if I can help it. Frank, right. I got a question yeah. on water holes for you. Okay. Have you ever found any success like in water holes for whitetails, like in the Midwest? Uh, I've never shot a deer off. I've never hunted water for whitetails in the Midwest because there's always too much water around. And, and not this year, 
<sighs> not this year. Let's dry, dry in Kansas. Well, I tried to. The reason I ask, I I found a guy, um, Whitetail Habitat Solutions. Um, I don't know the guy at all, but he's a big proponent of putting in water holes for whitetails, and mm-hmm. uh, I've just never, I've never tackled it. But I thought, man, if a guy would have got ahead of it this year, really probably could have helped you a ton, dude. Yeah, if there wasn't a lot of, you know, if there you don't have a, any kind of creek holding water, if it's some, yeah, I, I watched some of those hunting videos and stuff where they shoot them off of water, you know, in the Midwest. You know, you know I have a, a buddy of mine who, who guides for blacktails. He specializes in muzzleloader hunts um, down out of Medford, actually not far from where um, I think you were when we were talking. Yeah. And uh, anyway, I was talking to him about you know, baiting deer and setting up bait stations and different things. So you can see what's using an area. And, uh, I, man, I was, I wasn't hunting it, but I just had a, a station out just to see what was in the area. And so I, man, I, I thought I was going all out cause I had a corn feeder and like two different salt blocks. I was throwing some apples up there every once in a while. And I'd put a, a flake of alfalfa, you know, when I went down. So I'm like, dude, I'm giving them everything they could possibly want. And he says, Oh, what, what, what else are you putting out? And I'm like, what do you mean? I'm doing all this. And he says, well, did you put water out for him? I'm like, no, man. He says, I, I said, I got water, you know, within two, 300 yards. And he says, do you want them to leave your spot to go to water or do you want them to just stay there? I'm like, man, I'd never thought of that. And so even in Western Oregon where it's wet, um, water was still something that he recommended putting in and he's got a few places he's carrying water in. So it's, oh. that's how much he believes in it. Um, and then he was using all kinds of, he's like, I like to have three or four salt, different kinds of minerals. And then, you know, this cob and, and he said his, one of the things that his dear love are bread. He'll take just loaves of whole wheat bread. And he says, he says, man, there's sometimes you're unwrapping the packages on that bread and they'll, they'll start coming to you. I'm just <laughs> like, I'm like, you've got to be, I've heard about that in Texas when the feeders go off, all of a sudden everything comes out of the woodwork, but I had no idea that could happen with a loaf of bread. So right. one time I was hunting my grandparents farm and he would always go out in the pasture and hit golf balls and like when he would hit golf balls, he would just dump corn out and then start hitting golf balls. Well, after years of doing this, he dumped the corn, started hitting balls, and the deer were just feeding all around him. Like they just got used to him. And so one night I was like, Pawpaw, just take me out there with you to hit golf balls. Like you hit, dump the corn, hit, and I'll just sit in the golf cart and shoot them when they come out. And he's like, they won't. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, if there's anybody with me, they won't. Like they've learned, like they're used to me. But And I'm like, okay, Pawpaw, whatever. So I was hunting this place and I couldn't get deer within range of my blind. And so I'm like, Papa, I've snuck in here. They don't know I'm here. Drive out here, dump your corn, start hitting balls. And uh, sure enough, he did. And and those deer came right out and I shot one. <laughs> yeah. That's a good I was, story. I was like 13, but still it worked. Uh, yeah. There's something else about blinds. A couple of things I jotted down. We're talking about blinds. Is, uh, I want to get out before I forget is, uh, like when I'm hunting water down there in Mexico, I mean, you know, I'm hunting, I'm trying to hunt water where there's no other water, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's just tracked up. There's tons of deer coming on. You know, it's a super exciting place to, 
I love setting blinds at places like that, you know, cause you know, you're going to have action. And, uh, but I have guys ask me about calling and, uh, it made me think of something Duke said, cause I think he spooked a big bull when he was hunting a blind there in Oregon for elk. Cause he had that decoy up. I said, I tell yeah. guys, I said, don't be rattling and, and using a grunt call or a bleed or not. I said, the deer are coming. They've been coming for years. You know, they're coming to the water that you don't have to try to decoy them in there. You know, anything that you do, if you're, if you're blowing a call out of the blind, I mean, then you're going to draw attention to yourself. So, you know, the people just can't stand it. They want to call or, or use a grunt call or rattle or, you know, the deer, they have, they have to come drink. They're coming to the water. So if you put a decoy out there, that's what I told Duke. I said, you know, I learned that a long time ago. You don't want to put a, a decoy by hollow or a water hole because the, they're, they're coming anyway. Right. He, you know, that because he was talking, he says, gosh, I sure wish I had a decoy. I'd like to try that. And I said, hey, I got one. You can use it. And so he tried it. And then that night he said, oh, it spoke the elk. And I was I was in that same line like two weeks later. And at 450 yards, I actually had a bull bugling at me from the top of this ridge. And if I'd had a decoy, I mean, you know, I'm out in the middle of the sagebrush in a ground blind. He wasn't. You know, you call you want. He didn't come in there because there's no elk. If I'd had a decoy out there, I don't. I don't know that he'd have come that far. But I'll tell you what, there might have been a chance. Yeah, that might have worked. But I mean, I'm talking about like putting a deer a decoy like right by a water hole that's yeah in there. You know, or because they're gonna. It's just like popping a blind up around a spot like that and and jumping in it the day you put it up. I mean, they're gonna. They're they're definitely gonna spook them around it you know because that's their living room they know every every piece of every brush every stick on the ground yeah. so you can't you can't change anything around there you know without so give time for it to work so you don't wear your decoy hats when you're in a in a blind no. huh <laughs> don't wear the decoy hats in the blind that's that's uh i i got it. you you brought up duke man I, I had a fun time visiting with him he uh that that was a that was a what a neat guy He's just yeah, he's a super nice guy. A lot of energy, so yeah, yeah. Uh, I I think he uh, I think he was pretty excited at the end of his deal. He shot his first elk with a bow, right? So that oh, was yeah. good. He told me all about it. We talked a long time on the phone the other day. Yeah, it's. I'll tell you what. I wish he'd shot it anywhere else or a little bit lower or something because we we didn't have blood for the last eight hundred yards, and that was I I didn't think we were ever going to find that out so yeah. i was when when we got up there i was i was pretty excited we found it so yeah. and he was yeah. too yeah neat yeah. guy another thing i carry you know i told you i carry those strips of a black sheet or something in there i was out yeah. i tried a little bitty short bungee cords you know like you get packaged up at walmart little short real thin bungee cords i'll try to keep three or four of them in my pack too because you get in a blind sometimes you want to sometimes i'll like raise the window a little bit you know i don't, I don't need the whole window open or double bull right I'll, about six inches up i'll flap it over you know because you don't need that much you know just to conceal you a little bit more and i'll i'll either run a piece of rope through the the, the rod you know on the on the blind or i use use those bungees a lot you know to close up a window or open up a window a little bit the bungee cords work good to throw a few of them in the bottom of your pack if you're blind hunting yeah well i'll you know, what's in, uh, down in Mexico, what's in your library? What's number one book in your library? Oh man, we got all kind of books down there. We got, you know, fiction, nonfiction. We have like, uh, 
Bonnie and Clyde book, a real book about Bonnie and Clyde. We got a lot of the Indian books, you know, real books about all the Indian stuff, you know, in, in Texas and the, in the West when uh, there were still Indians there and they were trying to, to all the Indian fighting and stuff in Texas and Oklahoma and New Mexico. Yeah. All kind of different, but I, cause I usually, you know, I'll put an email out to my friends and hunters that are coming down there to hunt, you know, Hey, throw a couple books and, you know, bring a few books, you know, but the books, you, you know, you're not taking them back. You're bringing them to leave, you know? So yeah. that's how, that's how I've gotten books, you know, and, and some guys, some guys forget to bring them, but hell, some guys will bring like half a dozen, you know? That's cool. I, I think we're at our camp. It's, uh, I think it's got to be Louis Lamore is number one, oh. and then Zane Gray. Zane Gray is probably a close number two, and yeah. And then I think every single thing else would be a distant, distant third. Yeah. So you got to have a book though. Be blind hunting that many hours for sure. You'd go crazy in there, wouldn't you? Yeah. Otherwise, you start snoring, and then it's all over. Yeah, hey, I've written some magazines in there. Sometimes I'll write articles in there for magazines. You know, when I'm sitting in there, you know, nice past the time yeah well frank what's what's the next biggest thing you've got coming up what's what's the one you're excited about uh well i i've been off like almost a week here and uh i was gonna try to go hunt on in kodiak it's a two goat limit for residents well even for non-residents i think killed two goats in kodiak so wow. i was gonna try and hunt another mountain goat and or a sick of blacktail but the weather's been real bad over this week so I just couldn't really get over there with the plane. And then, so, and the, the weather's nice here at the house, but then uh, around where I wanted to hunt, I thought about going brown bear hunting, but the weather where I wanted to go do that was bad. So I hadn't been able, I just been here uh, getting ready for winter, putting stuff up, and putting lawn furniture up and stuff for the winter here in Alaska. My next time will be whitetails, I guess now it looks like just, uh, I'm going to do a little whitetail three or four day hunt in West Texas. Uh, a little quick hunt, and then uh, I'll do some some hunting in Kansas first part of November. Nice. Now, what uh, have you been watching, Chuck? Do you follow Chuck or talk to Chuck Adams much? Yeah, yeah. I, I know you him. guys are connected, but yeah. Um, what's you know when when you got folks from the lower eight, you know, from or lower forty eight, you know, Wyoming and these places coming up to your backyard shooting these potential world record blacktails, you know, what's, uh, what's running through your mind there? Yeah. A couple of my friends are always teasing. The last couple of years, it's been the same thing. Chuck's been up here on Kodiak hunting Sitka's and I've been down in Wyoming hunting antelope at the same time. They're like, hell, you're in Wyoming hunting antelope and, and Chuck's up in Alaska Sitka. So I don't know. We just, I don't hunt those. I just hadn't, I'm always hunting other stuff in August. Chuck likes to hunt those Sitka's, you know, real early in August and yeah. velvet. I like to hunt them the first week in November when I hunt them. That's when they're rutting real good. It's a whole different kind of hunt. And they, you know, they can be decoyed in, you know, I've learned, you know, like Bob and me and I do, you know, with, with full, full decoys and hats and all kind of stuff. They, they're very vulnerable to, to calling in in the mm -hmm. November. And so, very cool. So awesome. Well, how many are you going to have at panel this year or next year? I, I don't Oh, you know, I'll just wait for the envelopes, I guess. Hope to have a couple. I've had, I've had them for the last several banquets. I can't remember. Jack Frost had a big, uh, streak going. He told me one year, I forgot how many panels or how many conventions he had at least one animal invited. And I've, it's been a lot of year. I have to look back and see it's been, I've had, you know, a couple, couple, three, four, five invited for the yeah. last. Several. So 
That's good. Well, hey, uh, you know, congratulations. I'm glad you're able to get, you know, capitalize on my antelope hunt this year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I say that like I'd have gotten the same antelope. No, man, I'm no Frank Nosca, but you might tough. I'm telling you, it was tough. Was I'll really chase him a bit. Well, hey, congratulations. I know you've had a heck of a fall. And uh, I can't wait to see it at panel and yep. uh, and again at convention. Man, it is shaping up. We, after, you know, we had Omaha was great with, with Don Jr. there. And then, you know, Virginia got shut down just a couple weeks out. And then Reno was a bounce back, went really good. And but it's still people weren't back. And I'll tell you what, now, oh, my gosh, there's so much excitement. People are excited about it. We're excited about it. And it's going to be one heck of a show. Oh, yeah, so, I'm looking forward. So we'll see you there. Appreciate you uh, you're jumping not, you're on here. You're forgetting your time. last question, are you? Well, he, we've asked Frank the question. Yeah. Matter. He's got to come up with a new one. He's got to come up with a new one? Yeah. Well, Dylan, it's just, I've already asked him, so you okay. have to ask him. So when you're in a when you're in a ground blind, since that's been the topic of this episode, yeah. when you're in a ground blind, what's one non traditional hunting item that you always have with you? Uh, non traditional hunting item. Well, I always like something to read. Now, uh, I always have a, a pee bottle. You get you gotta have a pee bottle. You know, you can't you can't get out of the blind to go pee or whatever. Uh, what's non traditional? I mean, that's true. That's a hundred percent true, but. I don't know that that's the one we want to throw on the list. I, yeah, I don't, I don't think so. I, Although, I, you know what? It's memorable, and every every week when we bring it up, we can credit Frank with the pee bottle. Yeah, yeah, man. A whole bunch of them down there. I keep for my hunters, you know, because I tell them to bring them. I mean, you, if you if you don't have one and go in the blind, I mean, your chance of success is is, yeah. I mean, is diminished for sure. You, you know, I tell those guys don't come out of the blind. And then, then I also tell them, I said, you can shoot a coyote every day down there, but I don't shoot them because, you know, you don't know what's behind the blind. There could be a Boone and Crockett coos deer, cow's deer, you know, 15 yards coming in. And if you're shooting bobcats and coyotes and, and, and quail and ducks and everything off the water, then, and you're getting out of your blind all the time, then you're, you're, you know, you're, you're, uh, messing up your hunting area, you know, um, that's pee bottle and books. That's right. Pee bottle books and uh, now the in reach and uh lunch and uh what else do i got in there yeah well I, like i say i always had the blankets in the in the in the blind and uh i always pull my boots off um i mean yeah this is the way i hunt uh we never got talking about chairs we'll have to talk about that later but i'm real particular about chairs because you know they can't make any noise and yeah and they comfortable what, so i mean I, which yeah, one do you use well, oh, Woodsy too, which they were at one of our banquets, um, one of our uh, Pope and Young banquets, even before they, they were, uh, you know, they were, uh, had a spot in our outfitter um, area, you know? Right. And, uh, uh, they, and they started in Texas, Woodsy too. They make those game tamer blinds, you know, those chain up uh, tree stands, and they make a nice yeah. seat with a plastic seat that, that uh, goes on. It's just like a pedestal, like a bass boat seat. And they're they're super durable and tough, and uh, and they're you know, totally quiet. So I've I've been using those for in all my ground blinds for years and years. Nice. We'll have to so, see, Dylan. We'll have to see if we can get them to Reno. I'm yeah. trying to Google them. 
and yeah. Woodsy, Woodsy too. He's, it's kind of a small operator. I think they're still like in the Fort Worth area in uh, in Texas. Woodsy too. Um, Game Tamers is another one that used to be called, and then I think Woodsy too bought bought Game Tamers and changed the name. Hmm. Um, it's still you know it's hard to find a good chair because even the ones that you buy and they don't squeak, all of a sudden you get a little dust in them. And I, man, I sat down at one this year and, and it was a good, like high quality chair, but it just had a couple of squeaks. I got my little sage oil out. I turned that thing over. I'm, I'm squirting sage oil all over this thing just to see if you can kind of eliminate and that worked for most of it. Yeah. I usually like in the Midwest, I used to just go to Walmart or, and just get a, a one piece plastic chair like you have on your patio or you know right. the fifteen dollars you know they you can put them fold them all you know they'll all fit together if you had four of them yeah just like a just a one piece plastic chair with or without armrest you know because it's not going to make any noise it's one piece it doesn't you know interesting i'd rather hunt out of that in a blind than than any kind of folding um any kind of folding chair because if it folds and folds up it's gonna it's gonna creak or it's yeah. gonna make you know for sure so awesome well, good tip well hey frank thanks a lot man good luck out in the whitetail woods and uh we will see you here before too long at panel thanks a lot All appreciate right. it thanks so much see you